0: Welcome to the Razam Worship Songwriting Podcast, episode 108. Well, I'm delighted to be joined by Matt K. and Katie Ruloffs, uh, who are part of the Worship for Workers project. So, thanks so much for um, coming on the podcast. Um, maybe you can uh, just quickly introduce yourselves. Perhaps start with Katie, and then Matt, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Maybe your kind of your your background, your general, what you do in life, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having us, Joel. Um, as you said, my name is Katie Rulofs. Um, I'm coming to you from just outside of the capital of the United States, Washington DC. Um, I'm the Managing Director of the Worship for Workers Project um, at Fuller Seminary, and the person who is gathering and curating and looking through all of these wonderful resources that are coming in. Um, I am a worship pastor who has served in a local congregation here in Washington, D.C. for the past 17 years um, and have now transitioned into work outside of a local context and um, into work at Fuller.
2: Yeah, and uh, my name is Matthew Kamink. Um, I teach theology and ethics at Fuller Theological Seminary, and uh, I serve as the project lead here for Worship and Worker, Worship for Workers. And um, I have had an interest in workers and specifically questions around the connection between our faith in Jesus Christ and our work in the world for 20 years now, um, working closely with Christian professionals. Um, in ministry contexts in in New York City and Los Angeles and Seattle and Houston um, and connecting with different marketplace ministries around the country. And uh, yeah, so that's what brings me to this conversation about how we build a deeper connection between Sunday morning worship and Monday morning work.
0: Great. Well, if we start perhaps, Matt, with the the whole idea of a theology of work. I was thinking about our doxicology project we did a, a few years ago. And one of the things we would say to people is that when you open the Bible, the first thing that happens is God creates everything. And then the first instruction is to look after it. But I guess you could come at the in the same way and say, well, really, the first thing we're told to do is work. Um, and so it must be an important thing to have a theology of. But I wonder whether you, how would you describe the sort of the broad state of theology of work? across the church if that's not too big a question
2: (laughs) absolutely sure sure yeah i mean as you said the first thing we learn about god in the bible is that he makes things is that he 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 divides he colors he orders uh, he creates and he enjoys that work and he makes human beings in his image he makes them to be workers and creators as well and so Um, Sometimes within Christianity, people imagine work to be a punishment or uh, a necessary evil, uh, something that they just have to do. Um, But a biblical understanding of work is that this is something that deeply delights God, that God uh, created us to make order, to design, to color, um, and to cultivate uh, his earth. So... um, you know, it is it is a curious thing throughout the Old Testament that people are constantly offering their work to God as an mm. act of worship. Um, you know, I, I have three little boys, and whenever they make something for you know, whenever they they color a picture or they design something or they make something with you know Lego blocks, they always lift it up to show it to me. Yeah, and uh, it's as if um, there's something worshipful about making things with your hands. Uh, And, you know, throughout the Old Testament, we see people constantly lifting up their work before God and the sense that God takes delight in that. Um, And so uh, there's this deep connection between the work of our hands and the worship that we offer. Uh, And that's been lost. You know, I, I think that's been lost. And I'm excited to talk with you guys about that today
0: obviously you as you said you've been interested in this for for 20 years where does this particular worship for workers project begin as a as a you know as a kind of coherent initiative
2: yeah so i i remember uh about 15 years ago i was designing a retreat for christian workers they were going to spend the weekend um uh you know out of the city a time of um prayer and worship and learning about faith and work um and my wife who's a worship director i said we we need to have some songs for these workers to sing and uh she said well we don't really have any good songs about work yeah <laughs> you, you have to be kidding me go <laughs> find me a song to sing you know and i was like we need some prayers and she said i don't really know about any good prayers for workers and as we kept digging into this, my wife and I, she, you know, she said, you really need to think about this as, you know, ha- how do you um, develop a worship service that really does um, bless workers, but also help them begin a conversation um, with God about their work? And And that was one of the big... Um, starting points for me. The other thing hmm. was this annoying thing that happened to me is I went into this worship service and this young worship leader, he welcomed us all in. You know, He's strumming his guitar and he's welcoming us into worship. And he said, guys, I know you've all had this busy week with schedules and um, and all your work and your projects and all these things going on. And he said, but for the next hour we're just going to forget about all of that oh, and we're yeah. we're just going to focus on god and of, and of course the 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 per- <laughs> what he had communicated mistakenly you know he didn't know what he was doing but he just communicated that you know you're not supposed to talk to god about your work that god doesn't care about your work that sunday morning worship is a time where you pretend that the week didn't happen and uh, that that also really drove me uh, in, right. into this conversation. So, yeah,
1: I'm going to piggyback on what Matt said um, um, in his first point. As somebody who's had to choose church music for years and years and years, all of the music that I can that I used to be able to find around the topic of work was agrarian. Um, it all had to do with harvest and with something to do with fields. Um, and so it worked really well in the context of a Thanksgiving service. But when you are working with one particular niche of work, um, what you're missing out on is the broad diversity of voices um, and people's lived experience of work. Um, so there's there's my annoyance to throw you, on top you, you of that. You do know
0: that over in here in England, we all just run farms and... Um plough fields most of the time
2: <laughs> yeah you know it, uh, centuries ago in england you had the uh the blessing of the ploughs you know yes so. but uh you know the need now is right how do you bless an accountant or an engineer yeah. or a stockbroker or uh yeah. you know, a scientist so
0: yeah <laughs> so, so you're um i mean i i totally um hear you and understand that feeling of I haven't got any songs that we can use for this i haven't got any resources and uh, that drives a lot of what we've done over the last seven or eight years we we think i can't sing i haven't got a song i don't know what's no one's talking about this and often there are some but i don't you know how you find them or and, and so on they haven't you know people don't necessarily know about them um so katie you're sort of taking more responsibility for the the larger mechanics of this whole thing. Just describe this project then in terms of what it is, what you're hoping to, to it to become.
1: Yeah, so the first kind of phase of this project began with an album written by the group Porter's Gate, um, and that album is now slowly releasing as we speak. We're um, dropping songs every three weeks, um, and the concept behind the first installation of our resource website um, was to have liturgies and prayers and blessings written off of the lyrics of this of the songs that are coming off of this album. It's been okay. really interesting, Joel, because it's kind of a reverse. Um, normally it's songwriters that are writing off of somebody else's work, but now yeah. we have people that are writing um, liturgies off of songwriters, which has uh, been a really ex- interesting experience, kind of come full circle in that. Um, but every time one of these songs releases we are including a handful of written resources to go along with them for a church saying if you want to sing this song here's 10 prayers that go along with them for right. you to be able to use as well um and so that was kind of phase one of the resourcing website um phase two we are hoping is just a flood of resources that are coming um, from churches and from worship leaders and songwriters um, globally that yep. speak to their context specifically, um, recognizing that there are there are many locations where songs about fields and farming work, um, but also there are there's a need, as Matt said, for songs for um, those who handle finance, yeah. for those who um, are underemployed or are unengaged in what they're doing. Um, so there's there's need for all of these things. So the goal for our second wave here is just um, to to fill this resource website with as much as we can, um, recognizing that the diversity of work is broad.
0: Uh, speaking as someone who's just waded through 400 submissions for our most recent project, um, how, how are you going to handle that? I mean, that that's like, you want to flood, but you can't have it, you, know, you won't post everything up on the website, will you?
1: Not everything makes it, <laughs> but we do have a goal of including including voices and letting voices speak for themselves. Um, so we're pretty careful about our editing work and that um, what we want to post is stuff that will be useful in churches and will be high quality, uh, yeah. but will also honour the voices of those who contribute.
0: Let's talk then about how um, how people who are interested in this can, can get into this idea, the, the creatives, the people who might create things that we would use in worship. Um, where... Where should they begin? How can we direct them? How can we resource and equip them to do it well?
2: Um, yeah, absolutely. So I forgot to mention this, but I actually wrote a book about work and worship. Um, I'm not very good at selling my book. So okay. I wrote a book. <laughs> the The book is titled Work and Worship, Reconnecting Our Labor and Liturgy. And maybe, Joel, you can share a link to that book. We later. will do that, yeah. Um, But in that book, We say that there are five things that a worker can bring into worship uh, from their week, five things that a worker can carry before the Lord, Um, experiences from their week um, that they can lay down at at the altar Um, that we find in scripture, workers bringing these things. Um, And those five things we call trumpets, ashes, tears, petitions, and fruits. So if you're a songwriter, um, you might think about writing a song that invites workers to bring, to carry one of those things before the Lord.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So for example, um, to, to carry your tears before the Lord would be to, to carry laments from work or frustrations from work. So you might think in your head of a worker, uh, in your own life that may be a family member or a friend who's really struggling at work um, and doesn't know how to talk to God about their frustration, their annoyance, the injustice, and then writing a song that would help them, you know, lament about their work. Mm -hmm. So uh, that would be a tear and ashes would be a confession, um, sort of perhaps a confession that um, our work is too full of ambition uh, and selfishness. there could be one of uh, trumpets, uh, so workers can carry um, sort of victories that they've had in the city that that God has won for them um, in work. So trumpets of praise, uh, petitions would be sort of asking God to to help them and to help others within the workplace, and then finally fruits, which is we carry the we carry before you the work of our hands and ask that you would um, bless it and accept it with joy. And that could be a wonderful offering song um, mm. that, God, we we carry these things before you. Um, and so those are five models that we provide and we talk about in the book and, and elsewhere of things that workers can really carry before the Lord. Um, and then the last thing I would say for songwriters um, that can be a helpful prompt is to think about different workers in your life um, who have very different experiences at work. Uh, and you have perhaps listened to family members or friends um, complain about work or um, feel uncertain about what they should do. Mm. Um, they're, they're longing for God's direction or God's call. Um, or they have experienced tremendous blessing and they're really excited about what's going on at their work, and they they need to communicate that that joy and praise to God about that work. But a, a nice start for a songwriter is often just reflecting on the workers in their own congregations and their own life. And a big part of this is really helping worship directors start to listen to workers in their context. Katie might be able to speak to that, I, I think. But mm. yeah
1: listening to workers in your own context, I think that's a key point right there. Um, I'd encourage songwriters to sit down and actually have conversations with a couple of the workers that they know um, with different areas of expertise and with different experiences um, and hear their stories and hear what it is that they're saying um, and then work to craft that into what would be a prayer, um, a prayer of gathering and a prayer of scattering back out. Um, How do we, how do you gather these workers? What is it that they want to say? And what is it that they want to bring with them to worship on Sunday? And what is it that they need to hear to send them back out to their workplace? Um, Recognizing that that's gonna sound like a lot of different things depending on that worker's experience. Um, So yeah, I would encourage the songwriters to sit down and have conversations um, where they do 80% of the listening.
0: Would you have scriptural examples of those five different things that you were talking about, Matthew?
2: Oh, sure. Absolutely. Well, the first thing that the Israelites learn about their God is that they can cry out to him about terrible work. So their their introduction to God is in Egypt. They're told about this God that loves them, that hears them and will respond to their slavery with, with a mighty hand. And so... That's the first thing they learn, and then um, there it, you know, in the Old Testament, as they as they move out of Egypt and and into the the Promised Land, they're told that every time they have a harvest, um, they need to offer their first fruits to God, um, and that is a way to remind them that these fruits don't belong to them, that this land doesn't belong to them, and that they ultimately work for god and they work for their community so their fruits are shared so essentially every time we get a paycheck (laughs) we need to we need to offer um that and it's not because god is is needy or god is hungry um we don't ultimately we don't offer god money because god needs our money but we offer um to remind ourselves that this work Is a gift from God that this land is a gift from God, and that uh, without God we would still be slaves in Egypt. So offering is a way to to remember what work is about. Um, So that's a couple of examples. Another is so that's for example,
0: Deuteronomy twenty six is that uh, where where God gives that kind of instruction. That's a beautiful line in it. My father was a wandering Aramean. I've always just found it evocative,
2: but but it roots the whole thing. That is, that's my favorite passage. So oh. we have a whole section in the book just on Deuteronomy 26, where, I mean, the interesting thing in that passage is um, the priest has a very small role in that worship service. It is really the farmer who comes forward, he brings his gift, he says a prayer, um, he is the center of the worship service. Um, and then he he takes the first fruits that he has offered and he has a he has a feast uh and everyone all of his co-workers and his servants and family members are all a part of this feast and they mm. remember the goodness of God through their work um and so absolutely um in terms of confession yeah you know if you um if you cheated someone in the marketplace um in ancient Israel it you had to make restitution with them and then you also had to go into the worship space and you had to make restitution with God. And so sins in the marketplace have to be dealt with in the sanctuary. Um, and similarly, if you have injustice in the marketplace, that mm-hmm. that disrupts your worship um at the at the altar as well. And so a uh, confession is a number is a very is another important thing for a worker to engage in. And then finally petition of course we see petitions all over the place of um people asking god to do things um to do things in the marketplace to do things in their fields to to bring rain and protection um but also laments of god in the marketplace the wealthy man is is crushing the poor Mm. and um and you're not doing anything and why aren't you doing anything? And so there's there's all of these fascinating examples throughout the Old Testament, uh, but also in the early church, we, which we can talk about as well, if you you know got more time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I, one of the things you already mentioned, I think, was the um, the fact that we uh, we don't all live in agrarian societies anymore. Clearly, some people do. Um, but. Uh, we have a wide and varied world and it's it's often a challenge to talk, how shall I put this, it often feels more poetic to talk about fields and ploughs and harvest than it does to talk about computers and emails and whatever else. I, I wonder if you've got any thoughts on sort of embracing the language of work within the language of worship which is often shaped in but by the past in in its forms,
2: yeah. So it talking about emails in yeah. a song, <laughs> right? That that feels awkward and strange and not poetic. Um, I'll I'll give you an example of this. I I had uh, I was preaching one time and I at the end of my sermon I had everyone in the congregation pull out their phone and look at their calendar, and they all felt so uncomfortable. <laughs> so uncomfortable looking at their calendar in the sanctuary because it felt so inappropriate. And I gave them three minutes of silence, just pray over their calendar for the next week. And and I think that those feelings of discomfort um, can actually be instructive because Mm -hmm. they tell us something about the boundaries that we set up between Sunday and Monday. Mm. And it's my argument that that those boundaries need to become more porous and the the feeling of strangeness uh of singing about work and confessing about emails and schedules and projects um that discomfort is is a place where spiritual growth happens and so i want to encourage people to write songs with words in them that mm-hmm. that really do connect with the lived experience of workers and not always to be talking about harvests and plows and and whatnot, but (laughs) that God is at the staff meeting with you, right? That God is at the conference table. Um, and so, yeah, I, I want to lean into the strangeness and the weirdness of that a little bit. I don't know, Katie, how, how have, how have you experienced that as, you know, editing some of these prayers and songs and how do you, how do you walk that line there?
1: It's a great point, Joel, because we've heard it from other places as well, that interjecting that level of specificity into liturgies and into songs, it's really jarring. Um, And I'm not one for like the big wow factor in worship, like things that like disrupt people for no good reason. uh, But this seems like a pretty good theologically sound reason to disrupt people. Um, because it is bringing a real piece of yourself into a place where you might not have felt like it belonged before. Um, Mm. And so when we're just going to talk about work in vague terms, or we're going to talk about work in an agrarian form, um, that's not necessarily going to connect in the same way as, yeah, pull out your phone, look over your calendar, and let's pray through some of those meetings that you have this coming week. Um, And broadening it out even a little larger than that um, for your students what does it work what does it look like for them to be at work during the Mm. week Um, and what are ways that you pray over that specifically and for retirees and for um, all of god's people who are called to work in various ways um, i think the more specific that we can actually be the better served we will be um, even if it's a little bit disrupting
2: Yeah. And if if you just look at the Psalms, right, it's filled with language of cows and fields and rain and shepherds uh, and gold and silver and and irrigation. And it was filled with the language that workers knew. Um, You know, even Psalm 23, God is describing himself as a shepherd, as a waiter, you know, setting a table. These are very mundane, ordinary images in the life of Israelites. And we need similarly very mundane, ordinary language that connects with the lives of workers today.
1: I'm also going to make the case that if liturgy is truly going to be what its definition is, if it's truly going to be the work of the people, um, you're not always going to be saying and singing and hearing things that are specific to you. Um, But we worship as a broader community. And part of being part of this broader community um, is being able to live liturgically with one another um so giving songs and words and blessings that are um maybe not in a specific language of your own but one that helps you worship as a community um there's there's some real importance to that
0: i i, I like this idea that the awkwardness of it is is part of the is part of engaging with it it, it it is awkward. It it's, highlights the very thing you're trying to address here. <laughs> is why don't we talk about this stuff in church? Why can't we sing about it? Why can't we pray about it? Whatever it might be, and and you know, at the the further extreme, why do we actually try and push it out in in the way? There's a cultural shape to worship. Is that the right way of putting? It? Or that there's a shape to our worship, which sometimes is difficult to fit new things into. So if we say I think we should sing about our working like, Well, where does this fit where where do i put that have you got thoughts on how we can engage with the the journey of the liturgy
2: and,
0: and and incorporate these kind of themes
2: yeah that's a that's a wonderful question i think working with what your congregation is already familiar with um is is helpful so if your congregation has a prayer of confession and they know how to do that you can develop and we are developing prayers of confession. If your congregation understands what a benediction is, a blessing and ascending, you can develop a a blessing and ascending that actually sends workers. Um, And so that's just an important aspect of thinking about this. I don't know, Katie, if you have anything to...
1: I was going to say that it covers the whole of your liturgy from start to finish if you find creative ways to do it. Um, And if you start to think about If you start to think about it um there is a place for this kind of language in the whole of the liturgy preaching included um i think we're leaving preaching out of this conversation a little bit but um yeah preaching as well that once you start to we've had conversations with people that once you start to move in this direction and you start to kind of like think um through a worker lens um, the opportunities are endless because then you start to see ways that what are the first words that come out of a worship leader's mouth um, to the congregation on Sunday, because those can be shaped in such a way um, that either reinforce the Sunday-Monday divide or do something to start to break it down. Um, mm. And so, yeah, there are opportunities throughout and lowest hanging fruit is always going to be prayer, right?
2: Yeah. And I mean, another thing we've found is some churches have a uh something called like a mission Sunday where they invite missionaries up to come and give a testimony yeah. of what God is doing on the mission field. Um, and then you, you wrap around them and you pray for them and you send them. So the congregation knows how to bless and send a missionary. So then you can just take that form and you can bless and send nurses. Yeah. Right. You can bless and send teachers at the start of the school year. Um, so Take the things that your congregation already knows how to do and then orient them more towards the work of the people rather than the work of the pastors and the missionaries mm. and, and whatever. So you're yeah. you're orienting the worship more to extend out into the world.
1: Yeah. And there are some easy on-ramps into that too. Take a song that's super familiar in your context. One we sing often in ours is Take My Life and Let It Be, the hymn by Francis Habergal, that many, many churches sing. Um, weave in that refrain, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord to thee. And then have a prayer for your engineers and a prayer for your nurses. Sing the refrain and then continue continue on in such a fashion that like there there are easy on-ramps that are accessible and contextual um, to however it is that your congregation is used to worshipping.
0: Can I tell you something that's going through my mind is, as we talk? Is thinking about how there are some... It, if we can slip into a way of thinking that there are certain vocations, jobs, areas of work which are quite worthy and others that are less worthy, um, even if it's not really what we think. It just comes out, And I'll, you know, it's easy to think of the nurses and the teachers and the. I wonder whether you found in trying to work with creatives and trying to create language, whether there are sort of some, um, you know, some of the less glamorous bits or or whatever it might be you know are we, are we glamorizing is it can we risk glamorizing certain work and and underplaying or or even sort of implying negatively about other other kinds of work
2: yeah i think that's that's absolutely um that's absolutely a danger and that's why we're trying to resource a wide variety of prayers so we we took in a prayer the other day for administrative assistance and for web developers um and so we we really are trying to um, draw all those things in. the The question about romanticizing work uh, is really important, and that's why we are also stressing uh, confession and lament. Yeah. So we have to we have to tell the truth about the ways in which work is terrible or work is tempting, and how work can be destructive. And so we are also um, looking for songs that tell the truth about the ravages of the marketplace and the ways in which the marketplace is inhumane and confessing the ways that we participate in that. Um, and so that's that's just an important thing, that good worship will tell the truth about work and will put it in its place. And part of what good worship does is, yes, it will uplift the lowly. It will also humble um You know, the CEO who has been the center of the world all week Mm. long, um, he now has to wait in line for communion behind people who serve him, right? Um, And so good worship also needs to have a humbling humbling side to it as well. So be cognizant of the unseen workers in your community and maybe privilege them a little bit Mm. more. Um, in and through the songs that you're singing and the prayers that you're, you're, you're putting forward, make sure that you're mindful of the marginalized. Um,
1: Yeah. It's interesting that the thing we have received most as far as submissions are prayers of lament. Um, In this whole project, that seems to be whether, whether it's cultural, whether it's post pandemic, whether it's X, Y, and Z. Um, those are the things that people are submitting the most are prayers of lament around work, um, recognizing that it's difficult, recognizing that it's painful, recognizing that it's not fulfilling. Um, that's the thing that we've actually received more than anything mm. else across the board, um, which is really interesting to think about when you take a step back from it. Um, but yeah, as far as romanticizing and making it into something grander than it is, um, speak to the hearts of the people that you're listening to speak to your own heart um and recognize that there's a pretty broad spectrum at play here um and the more spots we can hit along the way the better
0: translating the for example the biblical context to a contemporary say american british context um one of the things clearly is this difference between um the kind of work the people do and but another thing I, I guess would be that for an awful lot of history work has not been a choice you haven't really chosen what you're going to do what your job's going to be what your vocate, the very idea of vocation as as something you discover or you choose or you uh, or you find or you or you even flip between you know lots of people have portfolio careers now and, and these kind of things presumably for an awful lot of history and in a biblical context and so on you do what your father did and you and so on you and you work the land to feed yourself and you you know you you're not faced with an awful lot of an awful lot of choices i just wonder whether you can say anything about that that difference that kind of cultural difference between the biblical context and and perhaps the kind of context we might find ourselves in
2: well there is a, um with people changing careers so often or finding themselves in between or struggling with sort of the tyranny of choice what do i choose um that can create an awful lot of anxiety and depression uh, mm. for people and also because they they put a lot of their identity in their sense of work and in the titles that they have and and a lot of people put a lot of pressure on them and so i think that that heightens our understanding of the importance of how we as worship leaders welcome people into worship and tell them this is a place where you can lay that down your anxiety your your depression you're you're wondering about what am i called to do am i supposed to stay in this job should i shift to something else um workers today are engaged in a lot of anxious decision making mm. about their career in a way that you know a baker or a butcher would never be you know, going through those difficult discernment periods of, mm. should I go into shipbuilding or should I go into, you know? Um, and so um, the task of discernment today is a really big thing. And handling transitions is a really big thing for workers today. So um, cultivating in worshipers of uh, listening posture, to what god might have is, a, is an important thing that's a great mm. question i like that yeah
1: a listening posture but also an equipping posture um, with the recognition that it's not you calling yourself to work it's god calling you to work and it's god who has equipped you and given you the skills and the abilities to do such work um and a god who promises to walk with you every step of the way mm. take some of that decision making and some of that heavy burden off um and places it in hands that are much more trustworthy than ours
0: yeah i like the way you described that you know, bring it bring it with you you've got to bring it but you don't have to then just carry it yourself that's, that's you, not you lay it
2: down right yeah. you lay it down and we actually have a song that's that's i think titled lay it down lay it down at the altar um and that's that's coming out soon right came out. Oh, that, that's <laughs> that's that came out oh okay, that's that okay you've got to keep on top of this oh my goodness <laughs> Katie's
0: on it. <laughs> <laughs> we we also last month actually in our twelve song challenge we covered the theme of rest, and I just I'd just be interested to hear whether you I'd seen a few things around that theme, and, and you know we had a lot of writers writing about rest, and um, particularly thinking that actually rest is a part of worship, uh, and connecting rest with worship and seeing them not as separate things but as kind of sort of entirely overlapping things in a similar way. Work. can you sort of help us a little bit thinking through the relationship of rest and work
2: okay so i'll, I'll start and well katie gathers herself on this <laughs> uh, so uh we'll go back to egypt because i just love i love egypt and israel so you know the the israelites are in egypt working as slaves and um egypt is this exhausting economy with no rest nothing is ever enough it's an empire dominating other nations and they just use up human beings. They squeeze every last drop out of these slaves. And this is how Israel learns how to work. It's how Israel learns how to uh, relate to the land and relate to their their masters is never, never enough. And as they leave this economy of grasping... Um, their their new god, you know, Yahweh is trying to initiate them into an economy of rest, um, an economy of generosity, an economy of limits. And so the Sabbath is given to them as a way to put work in its place. Mm. Um, and so the time of Sabbath is meant to um, reorient us and help us reflect on our work and put it in its right place. Um, it's a time to give thanks to God for a week of work well done. Um, but also to recognize that we are not the masters of our, of our domain. We're not the masters of this work and we rely on another. And so, um, work and rest um, Sabbath, these things are deeply integrated. And so um, we never want our rest to be sort of this escape from labor, but an opportunity to reflect and give thanks for the labor that we've been given and to offer it to God and reorient ourselves so that when we go into the week ahead, we've, we're have we're no longer a part of this economy of grasping of never mm-hmm. enough, um, but an economy of of dependence and rest and 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 that's that's an important thing for us to mm. think about i think
1: and one piece of sabbath that i feel like we too often miss out on is the call to delight um and to enjoy and at least growing up for me, Sabbath was always kind of like the prohibition, right? Like you can't go to yeah. movies with your friends on Sundays. You can't go shopping. You can't do all of these things. And I think we've gotten ourselves in such a mindset um, about Sabbath and about rest in general, that rest is something that's negative, or it's something that is just meant to fuel further productivity for us. And I think we've really lost um, the beauty and the delight that is involved with rest. Um that it's not a means to an end. It is a God-given gift that we have been given as creatures and as those who God delights in. Um, that really what we're looking at is a gift. but we have so quickly turned the dial on that. Um, I'd love to I'd love to get us back to a pattern of rest and delight.
2: Yeah, so once again, Sunday, making Sunday not an escape from work. You know, Sunday is not like a fueling station where we get filled up for the week ahead. Um, but it's a time to um, give thanks, give thanks for Sunday, but also give thanks for the whole week. Um, so you're you're giving thanks for rest and you're giving thanks for work um, rather than this sort of putting these things in competition with one mm. another. Um, but seeing how they work together beautifully.
0: Mm. And as you've been... Uh looking for resources and working with people who are creating resources. I, I just wonder, you said that Lament has been very popular. I wonder if there are any other areas that have been especially popular or well handled and or areas where where people have found it more difficult, where sort of more effort is needed to try and cover those themes.
1: Some of the really interesting submissions that we're getting in right now are worker prayers, um, where people, worship leaders and pastors are asking people in their congregation to write a prayer for themselves um, that could be used in worship on a Sunday morning. Um, And so think of, yeah, think of the engineer who writes a prayer for, what does your week coming up this week look like and how could we pray over you? Um, So we're getting a lot of those in right now and those are really interesting to see. yeah, laments, laments have been high on the list. Um, that's that's by far our biggest category so far. Um,
2: yeah, I, I think one of the things that we've been missing or we'd love to see more of is uh, sending songs, okay. scattering songs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I think it's Constance Cherry who talks about a, a good benediction has both a blessing and a charge. So as we send you out, um, you are blessed with God's presence and power and we charge you. So Mm. you are blessed with God's presence and power so that you might extend um, this grace and this hospitality uh, and this rest to others. And um, I think we would love to see some more sending songs of um, reminding people who they are and who they ultimately work for. Mm. Um, And reminding people of their purpose and their mission as they go into the city to work on Monday. So that Sunday morning is not uh, a moment of worship, uh, but Sunday morning is the beginning of a whole week of worship. Um, and so that's that's one thing we really want to lean into with the, our new songs coming in the next year is, is thinking really hard about scattering and sending mm-hmm. workers um, with blessing and, and a charge. Yeah.
1: Um, another thing people have been submitting are ways to pray through the hours of your work day. Um, and we've gotten these in written form and we've gotten them in musical form someday, yeah. but, um, thinking outside of just what happens in your 78 minutes on a Sunday morning, um, what are some short refrains and some really easy ways, um, to carry songwriting and to carry songs with you throughout the week um i would love to see a song written that has a couple of different verses um that help you pray through the hours of your work day um mm. something that's easy and accessible and that one could sit at their sit at their desk over lunch um and sing this verse sing this verse to themselves um as they pray their way through the day
0: these are some great suggestions and there's so much in what you've both had to say that i'm sure our songwriters are going to jump on and have a go at all kinds of things um we generally encourage everybody in our songwriting circles to write for their congregation write for the people they're with um and and that's the the main goal but of course as people write if they think well i think i've got something here which might be worth sharing is there a is there a process to that um should we should we wait to be invited should we send you everything we've got katie what what would you like
1: at this point in time i would say send us what you've got um no promises how quickly we'll be able to turn that around and get that back to you um but for now we would we would love to hear what you've got for us
0: and if we just if we link people to the website they'll be able to find their way to you that's probably the easiest way isn't it
1: yep and directly directly through email um yeah Yeah, which we can include somewhere in this podcast
2: worshipforworkers.com. And there's contact information there and you can send in your your songs, your prayers, your blessings, liturgies. We would love to see them. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely.
1: Our criteria for song um, is that we have some kind of recording. It does not need to be professional. It can be a scratch track, um, but some kind of recording so people can hear how it sounds um, and a lead sheet. It does not need to be full sheet music, but at the very least a lead sheet.
0: Got you, and and you mentioned to me, I think before we started recording, that you're not publishers, so you're not taking on the the administration of the songs. So you just, it's an opportunity to be able to share them with with people who need them. That's correct. Yeah. Well, look, I want to say a big thank you to you both, um, obviously for uh, taking the time to talk to us, but but also because clearly what you're doing is so important, uh, because we are we all work or in one way or another. And, and um, clearly, we need to, we need some help in terms of connecting our Sunday worship and um, the rest of our time, so much of which is spent in labour of, of one kind or another. So, I, you know, I want to say a big thank you because because it, it's important. Um, and we will have a go at writing some things. And if we get particularly excited about any of them, uh, we'll be sure to send them your way.
2: No, man. Thank you so much for having us. And I think I said this to you the last time, Joel, we we talked with the the UK, you know, thank you for having Americans on here. And, uh, you know, honestly, when I was doing my research on work and worship, I found so many amazing resources from 100 years ago in the UK. You know, throughout the Industrial Revolution, uh, Church of England, um, priests and liturgists were developing prayers and songs for factory workers. And it would just be amazing to see that that tradition revived in in your country. and uh, it's yeah. it's really an honor to speak with you all. and um and we look forward to more of these kinds of conversations in the future. So
1: yeah, thank you for having us today, Joel. And if um, any of the songwriters have questions, they can feel free to reach out to me might be by email.
0: Great. Thank you.